0: Oh, yeah, my eyes, did you see them roll? I'm sorry. You know, it used to be I I threatened to take duct tape and duct tape my eyelids open because my eye rolling was so bad. And somebody would come up to me, and I really wouldn't mean to, but I'd roll my eyes and they'd get offended. So I thought, okay, if I just duct tape my eyes open, then I won't roll my eyes anymore, but I never did it. So if I roll my eyes, don't get offended, okay? I mean, most people that know me know that I kind of say what's on my heart, and I'm not going to make an excuse. I've really tried to, what's the word I want to use? Soften. And I can remember when I first got saved and going into ministry, the pastor's wife at Mount Hope Lansing, Mary Jo, is the sweetest, kindest, soft-spoken woman I've ever met. And I would try to copy her. And I think, good morning. How are you today? Oh, you look so pretty. It would last about maybe an hour and I'd explode. So I have passion, compassion, but it's just how God's made me. And everybody's made differently, amen? We need all types of people. That has nothing to do with what I'm talking about today. (laughs) So, let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you I'm able to share your word and what you wanted to say to them. God, I just ask that they open their ears and their eyes to hear and see what you have for them today. And Lord, that each one goes out of here changed from when they first came in. And we just give it all to you today, and we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay, so... When I found out Friday, I started praying, okay, God, what do you want me to share? And honestly, I didn't go, oh, I don't do it. I really was excited. I said, no problem, I got this, I've got this. So when I came into church to start preparing, the word team kept coming up. We're a team, like my football players. So I want to talk about being a team today and what it means. You know, last week, the church hosted the northern sectional meeting from the Michigan Ministry Network for the Assemblies of God. Our church was responsible for the dinner and the setup for the meeting. And I want to just say how well our church family came together making this evening a success. As Pastor Norman and I were driving home from that event, I could only smile and think about our team bustling around and serving our northern pastors. It was amazing. Thank you to everyone who was a part of this. You just made it a memory for me to where I just smile and go, wow, we've got awesome people. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, even though we had some hurdles, like, example, The main cook broke her arm and had surgery on Tuesday, and the event was on Thursday. You want to know something? She still showed up, and she still cooked. Scared me to death. (laughs) I was more stressed about that than I think anything. But, you know, even though it was a little stressful putting it together, our church family came through. We worked like a well-oiled machine, and we became a team. So today, I'm sharing about how important it is to be part of the team. And I'm going to be reading out of the book of Acts because it's the details of the beginning of the church. It's probably one of my favorite books of the Bible. I just love reading Acts because it starts with, with your personal growth, how God takes you And you get that Holy Spirit that comes down on you. And God fills you. And and they go out and they're just on fire for God. So I'm picking it up in chapter 6. And it's, Acts is sort of a manual for us today. These were the instructions for the church, first church family, believe it or not, in Acts. What worked then? Still works today. Let's just read it. I'm going to read through it, and then we're going to take it verse by verse. Acts 6, 1 through 7. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers. (laughs) Doesn't that sound like something today? Oh, did I say that? Saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 called a meeting of all believers. They said... We apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas of Antioch. I did it! I had to practice this. (laughs) I did it! (laughs) Oh, these seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased. In Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Now, if we look at Acts 6 1 through 7, it shares how the church family was growing and experiencing growing pains. It really reminds me of some aspects of what we go through at the church right now. So let's break it down. Acts 6 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. You know, there were two different groups of Jews. They were called the, the Native Jews and the Hellenistic Jews. Now, the Hellenists of that time were the Christian Jews that had a Greek culture that was what they came with. And the Jew, the Hebrews, were kind of a pure Jewish who turned Christian, but they still had those pure Jewish beliefs, and they lived in their native Palestine. And there was a long-standing friction between the two groups. Does that sound like anything today? In Acts 6-1, it's shared about how the people were murmuring. One group felt like they were getting more attention than the other group. This can happen in any arena you have in life. There's always friction, and sometimes there's murmuring. The disciples saw that there was an issue, whether intentional or accidental, and it needed to be addressed. So they decided to do something about it. You know, when murmuring begins, it can spread like wildfire. Whenever you encounter someone complaining, you know, stop them and make sure they've talked to the person that's involved. Someone, if they're complaining about someone or something someone did, ask them, have you gone to that person? And if they haven't, stop the conversation. Don't entertain the conversation. And tell them to go to that person and work it out. You know, you can even offer to go with them to discuss it. And if they go, oh, no, 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 I don't want to talk to them, then you just look at them and say, then you don't need to talk to me. I've on occasion actually pulled my phone out and said, well, let's just call so-and-so and and see what's on their end of it. You know, 90% of the time, it's a miscommunication. And once you find out it wasn't what they felt, sometimes it's that eye roll from somebody that someone takes wrong and like, well, I can't believe she just acted like that. And you know what happens when you go to someone else and say, well, you know, Sister Popoofnik back there, she was mean to me. She doesn't like me. (gasps) Are you serious? And then that person goes to another person and says, did you hear about Sister Popoofnik? This church doesn't like people, and it just grows. And I have to say, this church family's pretty good about not murmuring, but a lot of us, because we just don't accept it. We, We want to do it in the right way. People have problems, and yes, things do come up, but when you work it out, there's a unity in the church body, and that's what we strive for. We're always going to have issues. There is no perfect church. And a lot of times when people get hurt, they leave. And they decide to go to another church. And we never hear from them. We don't know what's happened. Then about six months later, we talk to somebody and they say, oh yeah, they left because of dot, dot, dot. And we went, that's not what happened. They didn't even have the right facts. They didn't take the time to try to work it out. So murmuring is a big thing. And obviously, if that's one of the first things they talk about in Acts, you have to realize it's big in the manual here to, to look for. So don't, don't accept murmuring. Just stop it right where it's at. And just like the Jews in Acts, you know, we, di- we struggle with different cultures in our own church. Everyone is at a different level in their walk with the Lord. Let me explain. Um, Mainly from working in children's, but even being a pastor here, we realize people have different opinions on different things, like holidays are huge. There's one camp that says you shouldn't celebrate holidays, like Easter and Christmas, because it comes from a pagan background in culture. And we don't want to be pagans, so we don't feel like we should celebrate. Then you have on the other side of the camp, those that say Oh, it's a way to express our love and joy for Jesus during Christmas and Easter. We get to just have a joyful time. Neither one of them are wrong or right. But we have all different levels in the church. So we have to be really careful on how we present things and how we do things. Because I don't want to offend anybody, but I realize we have to, to really look at things and say, what can we do to make everyone comfortable. The other thing is sometimes, shame on us, say shame on us, church people tend to judge people by the way they look. Someone comes in and goes, oh, well, huh, and then someone else comes in there like, "Ooh, hello, how are you? We can't judge people on how they look. Only Jesus knows their heart. And just because they look dif- different doesn't mean they don't love Jesus. And we need to love everybody. It's so important. That's, a, that's another one in the manual. We need to love everybody that comes through the door. We as the church need to be lifting and encouraging people up. And Pastor Norman, and I feel like no matter what happened, Before you came here, you get a do-over. The first time you walk through our doors, your slate is clean. You get a do-over, a fresh start. And then you can prove to us whether you're that person you shouldn't be or whatever. But we're not going to judge you on what we've heard about you or what's happened in your past. It doesn't matter. Today is a new day and you get to start over. Amen? Amen. So let's go on to Acts 6, 2 through 4. So the 12 called a meeting of all believers, and they said, We apostles should spend our time teaching the Word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of spirit and wisdom. We will give them the responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching in the Word. In this passage, we see the disciples gathering the believers together and sharing their perspective. The disciples came to the conclusion that they couldn't do it all. And the believers were asked to help so the disciples could spend more time teaching. You know, they, they realized how important it was to have the believers become a team so they could be part of the solution. And we need our church family to do the same today. You know, I was thinking about this concept of team. And the first thing that came to my mind was football. That's why we have football players up there on the screen. You know, there are players and there's a coach. Now, I am not an expert on football. I can't tell you who does what or when. I just know they throw the ball and they go for the goal. Um, But I'm pretty sure I've never seen the coach jump up and go out and be the quarterback or be the tackle during the service. First of all, if the coach went out and played, he would be exhausted and he wouldn't be able to coach the team. Second of all, it would be really difficult for him to see what they needed to do next if he was playing on the field. So when you have a team, you have a leader, and then you have your players. Same thing in church even if we're leaders, it doesn't mean we lord things over people, but we need to be freed up to teach and to organize and to do the things God has called us to do. And God has a plan for each and every one of you to do also. what if the team players came out on the field to play, they're like, yeah, they're on the sidelines, and all of a sudden some of the team goes, you know what, coach, I don't think I'm ready to go out there and play yet. I think I'm just going to sit on the sideline and watch you coach and see how it's done for a while before I get out there and play. What do you think that coach is going to say? Probably not in the words I'm going to say this, but... (laughs) I think he would say, get out there and play the game. We need everyone in the game here at The Hope. And you know, sometimes pastors feel like it's their responsibility to make sure everything is going smoothly. And in the past, Pastor Norm and I have been really bad at this. You know, when we first started and while we do ministry, we see how hard everybody works in their jobs And at home and we've always felt like oh I don't want to put any more burden on the people of the church and ask them to help because they're doing so much already and they don't have hardly any time so we just rolled our sleeves up we did it ourselves and I think we didn't give anyone a chance to respond to the task I think this was a disservice to you. And guess what? Things are going to change. That's why Pastor Norm went back to school. You know, in the words of my son, Dad, why are you going for your master's? You're just going to die soon. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're old, Emily. We're old. (laughs) But, Norm's passion and desire is is to see this church skyrocket off the map. And we realized our weakest link was our leadership. It wasn't you. It was us. And so Pastor Norm took it upon himself three years ago to go back to school to learn about leadership. And every time he comes out from reading one more of those mucky-mucks theological leadership books in my opinion, <laughs> and as he's getting off, of, he comes up, oh, we got to do it like this book says we're going to, do it. and they're going, my eyes glaze over, and I go, uh-huh, okay, honey, well, why don't you think about that after you're done with school, okay? <laughs> Every single book, he comes up, we got to do it this way, uh-huh. <laughs> God's got a plan, and Norm is formulating a plan for us right now. He has 11 more days of school, And then watch out. Y'all are going to go to school. (laughs) We have a wonderful church family who wants to help. And part of ministry at the church, you need to take ownership. And God's going to use you in a mighty way. We need you to become part of the hope team. And Thursday night was just a snippet of what our team looks like. They were amazing. They were running around here like little bees and beavers, just getting everything done like they knew exactly what they were doing, but had no clue. (laughs) It was awesome. So the teams are starting to form, and I'm sure the people that were part of that team Thursday night feel closer to those that they worked with. And I'm sure when they saw each other today, they smiled and said, how you doing? Because they became a part and they took ownership. And maybe you're feeling depressed. Maybe you're feeling like you don't fit in. Well, let me ask you, what are you doing at the church? Where are you fitting in? Because when you come and sit on Sunday mornings and you don't talk to too many or you say hi, and then you walk out those doors, you're never going to feel a part you're never going to take ownership of of the church but when you just take a small part in something and become coming you begin to make those relationships that you will have for a lifetime and you'll be able to laugh and cry with people they'll see your mistakes and they'll know you're vulnerable and able to help pick you up isn't that awesome don't you want to be part of the team I do. So we've learned from experience when you become part of a ministry at the church, you're going to grow, which is our next scripture, Acts 6, 5 through 7. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following guys. These seven, I'm not saying those names again. (laughs) These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The numbers of believers greatly increased. So what happens when you get plugged into a team here at the church and get excited? You grow. It's proven. It happened back in Acts 3,000 plus years ago. So it's going to happen today. Isn't that cool? I don't get excited about this at all. (laughs) So You see the increase we need to get involved to reach the lost you know there are so many areas for you to be a part of each one of you has a ministry that God wants you to do it doesn't have to be preaching and teaching it can be anything and you need to ask the Lord what is it you want me to do God what do you want me to do? And, and do some of the different areas. If, if you're not feeling it, then do something else. But do something. I can remember when we first got saved and they built the new church and it was huge down in Mount Hope Lansing. And they needed somebody to lock up Sunday evenings. And Norm says, well, that's perfect. I can do that. So, him and another guy who he got to know, who is a lifelong friend of ours now, him and Scott, their job was to lock the church up. The only thing they had to do. So, every Sunday evening, after everybody, they had to wait around church service till everybody left. They walked the whole church, they checked every door, they checked every window to make sure everything was locked up tight. And they did this for years. And they took it serious. It was important to get those doors locked, and they made sure those doors were locked. Isn't that something? See, it doesn't take much. It just takes one thing for God to put on your heart, and you do that, and you do it with everything you have, and it'll be part of the wheel that turns the church. Now, I can remember... Years later, when we came back and we were put on staff at Mount Hope and Lansing as children's ministers, we'd get there pretty early in the morning and would always go through the staff offices. And, you know, the coffee was always on. And I, I was like, who puts this coffee on? They had to get there like at 4 or 5 in the morning because we got there pretty early. Every Sunday, that coffee was on waiting for the staff and pastors when they came in. And his name was Gary Carney. And he did it for years. Matter of fact, you almost took for granted what he did because it was always there until one day it wasn't. You see, he worked on a he had a home and a farm, and evidently he was doing something with the barrel, and he had a blowtorch tar- and he was cutting the barrel in two, not realizing there was some oil in it, and the barrel blew up, and he was burned so badly. He never made it through his injury, and he died. And you know, I didn't know this man well, but at his funeral, it was probably one of the largest funerals I've ever attended. There were so many cars cars at the cemetery, it was backed up for miles to get into the cemetery. This was a man that didn't have an upfront ministry or it's just he helped everybody he helped his friends and his family he was always there and that's how i remember gary i kind of want to be remembered like that 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 no matter what happens people will look and go wow she loved god she did what she could that's serving in the church family Our goal is to get everyone who calls the hope their home to get involved. And when someone becomes part of the church, you know, I want to tell you, your walk with the Lord becomes stronger. And you'll draw closer to Christ. Because there will be situations you need to pray about. (laughs) There will be people you'll need to pray about. But most of the time, there's such a closeness in the greeters, in the kitchen, in the children's, in the nursery, in the worship team, Every area, whatever God puts on your heart to do, you're going to be part of the Hope team. I even remember, again, back in Mount Hope, Lansing, because we were lay leaders back then, or children, and back then we were children's minister. And the same man that locked up with Norm, when we had come back to be children's ministers, we had shared about needing some needs that we needed in children's ministry to help. Something different, you know, (laughs) everybody needs (laughs) children's ministers or children helpers. And Scott and his wife came running up to us, and he goes, Norm, Norm, we want to help you in children's ministry. And Norm's like, okay, he goes, but we don't like kids. (laughs) I went, oh, that's a tough one. So we prayed about it. And you know what he came up with? He goes, I tell you what, how about I come in after service and I clean up the set and get all the chairs straightened up and take care of the whole children's area so you can go out and greet the parents. For I don't know how many years he did that, Norm, but for years him and his family would come in and clean up the children's area so that we didn't have to. That's ministry. There's always something you can do. And we need each and every one of you. And we also need people to minister during the service. You know, working once or twice in in an area can not only bless others, but I guarantee you, you'll be blessed. I think I learned more when I was helping in the nursery and children's about God than I did in the regular service because you're in the nuts and bolts learning all the stories and applying jesus to your life you're not missing anything and besides that if you are helping during a service you can always listen to live stream when you get home or during the week so you're not really going to miss the word that pastor norm speaks so pray about it get plugged in whatever the lord puts on your heart is what you need to do When we all do our part, then when we run like a well oiled machine. That's been one of my statements for years. I want to run like a well oiled machine. You know, I like it, you know, when you see that farm equipment with the going through the wheat and they're just chewing it up and there's a cool aisle. That's what I wanna run like. I don't wanna be the broken down one on the side. We want a well oiled machine. When we all pull together, we will begin to see the church explode. That is how we need to be at church. If there is a part of the church that needs help, fill the spot. Take the time. So in conclusion, Sarah, (laughs) as we glean from the scriptures in Acts 6, we learn that they couldn't do it on their own And you know, we still can't do it on our own. Our goal at the Hope is to make sure we're not only leading people to the Lord, but that we're also making disciples to go out and lead more people to the Lord. You know, it starts with you. It starts with your walk with Christ. If you don't know Jesus, find out about him. Give your heart to the Lord. And all that means is you want a new fresh start today say Jesus I need you more than anything please fill me please be with me show me what a Christian really is and when you start out like that when you give your what they call your heart to the Lord oh it's awesome we've all been there those of us that have are Christians You've given your hearts to Christ. You've had that. You know that. And it's awesome. And yeah, we have to keep tweaking. We get ornery. We get frustrated. We get depressed. But as long as you have a walk with Christ, he's not going to do it for you. He's going to walk with you and help you through whatever you're going through. But to help you get through some of this, the best thing you can do is get plugged in to a church and a church family and begin to serve because that's what Christ has told us to do. The manual in Acts says it. And when we do that, we're going to see things explode. See, the mission statement at the Hope this year, which is new, is the word hope. Help others prepare for eternity. And I'm hoping we can drill this into your head enough that when someone says, well, what is, in, what is it like at the Hope? What, what do they do there? Oh, we help others prepare for eternity. So start memorizing that. Start getting those words in your head and start being a part. And to be able to prepare others, we need a team the hope team, ready to serve and reach out and share the good news. And I want us to be those football players. I don't want any wimpy, I'm going to church. It's I'm going to church. And yeah, bring them with you. Amen? Amen. So if you're struggling today, take a new stand. Throw off the garbage. Get rid of it. Take the sandbags off your shoulders and let God take it. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for those that love you so much. They want to grow. They want to be part of your kingdom, and they want to be part of this hope team. Lord, help us to plug every single one of them into an area they want to be in. And Father God, I just pray as people get up and go today, that you'll share with them exactly what they need to do. And if they're afraid or they think maybe that's not what they should do and you're telling them, give them a little nudge and get them here. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for everything you do for us. And we just want to serve you. And we want to help others prepare for eternity. Now I give you this day I give you our time, and we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless.